0: Welcome to school throughout the years. My name is Leah. I am the host of this podcast where I talk and you listen. Throughout these episodes, I will be taking you through a tour where you get to visualize how school and its system has grown all the way from 1837 when school was created by Horace Mann to 2020. Now, To be honest, as I was doing my research for this podcast, I found that there wasn't really enough information to go off of when the article was talking about the 1800s. Now I can understand that because... That was basically 200 years ago. What I did find interesting was that most of the articles were talking about the 1900s. I could only find about 5-10 to articles that were talking about the 1800s. But when it comes to the 1900s, mm mm-mm, there was an endless amount of information. Therefore, we will be starting from the 1900s. But first, before we do anything, I would like to give you a little background of who, what, when, why, and where school was created. I came across this website called Wonderopolis. It has a lot of history so that I would share with you guys. So again, I don't want to be stealing words from other people's mouths. So I just wanted to make that clear. This is not my article and I am not taking credit for it by any means. All right. Um, why was school created? We're sure that's a question that every student asks from time to time, especially on tough test days. Many students wonder exactly why they're being subjected to such a cruel and unusual punishment. If you're honest with yourselves though, you know what a great place school is. You have fun, learn all sorts of things, and get to spend quality time with your friends. Sure, tests can be stressful, but think about how boring life would be if you didn't get to learn new things and see other people so often. Schools are not a new invention. You may have seen some old one-room schoolhouses that have been around for a couple hundred years or more. The earliest schools, though, date back thousands of years. In fact, education dates back to the very first humans ever to inhabit Earth. Why? To survive, every generation has found it necessary to pass on its accumulated knowledge, skills, values, and traditions to the next generation. How can they do this? Education! Each subsequent generation must be taught these things. The earliest human beings didn't need schools to pass along information. They educated youngsters on an individual basis within the family unit. Over time, however, populations grew and societies formed. Rather than every family being individually responsible for education, people soon figured out that it would be easier and more efficient to have a small group of adults teach a larger group of children. In this way, the concept of the school was born. Great. so ancient schools weren't like the schools we know today, though. Um, the earliest schools often focused more on teaching skills and passing along religious values, rather than teaching specific subject areas like it is common today. In the United States, the first schools began in the 13 original colonies in the 17th century. For example, Boston Latin School, which was founded in 1635 was the first public school and the oldest existing school in the country. The earliest schools focused on reading, writing, and mathematics. The New England colonies led the way in requiring towns to set up schools. The Massachusetts Bay Colony made the basic education a requirement in 1642. However, many of the earliest schools were only for boys, and there were usually few, if any, options for girls. After the American Revolution, education became a higher priority. States quickly began to establish public schools. School systems were not uniform, however, and would often vary greatly from state to state. Credit for a modern version of the school system usually goes to Horace Mann. When he became Secretary of Education in Massachusetts in 1837, he set forth this His vision for a system of professional teachers who would teach students an organized curriculum of basic content. For this reason, Mann is often called the father of the common school movement. Many other states quickly followed Mann's system he instituted in Massachusetts. More and more states began to require school attendance. By 1918, every state required students to complete elementary school. Educational improvements grew by leaps and bounds during the 20th century, leading to the advanced systems we enjoy today. So, basically, that's what we're going to be talking about, what it just said at the ending there. Um, we're going to be talking about how the school and all the schools around the world have grown from all those years back, so really excited. Welcome to school throughout the years. My name is Leah. I am the host of this podcast, where I talk and you listen. Throughout these episodes, I will be taking you through a tour, where you get to visualize how school and its system has grown, all the way from 1837, when school was created by horseman, to 2020 now to be honest as i was doing my research for this podcast i found that there wasn't really enough information to go off of when the article was talking about the 1800s now i can understand that because that was basically 200 years ago what i did find interesting was that most of the articles were talking about the 1900s i could only find about five to ten articles that were talking about the 1800s but when it comes to the 1900s Mm -mm. there was an endless amount of information therefore we will be starting from the 1900s but first before we do anything i would like to give you a little background of who what when why and where school was created i came across this website called wonderopolis it has a lot of history so that i would share with you guys so again i don't want to be stealing words from other people's mouths so i just wanted to make that clear this is not my article and i am not taking credit for it by any means all right um why was school created we're sure that's a question that every student asks from time to time especially on tough test days many students wonder exactly why they're being subjected to such a cruel and unusual punishment If you're honest with yourselves, though, you know what a great place school is. You have fun, learn all sorts of things, and get to spend quality time with your friends. Sure, tests can be stressful, but think about how boring life would be if you didn't get to learn new things and see other people so often. Schools are not a new invention. You may have seen some old one-room schoolhouses that have been around for a couple hundred years or more. The earliest schools, though, date back thousands of years. In fact, education dates back to the very first humans ever to inhabit earth. Why? To survive, every generation has found it necessary to pass on its accumulated knowledge, skills, values, and traditions to the next generation. How can they do this? Education. Each subsequent generation must be taught these things. The earliest human beings didn't need schools to pass along information. They educated youngsters on an individual basis within the family unit. Over time, however, populations grew and societies formed. Rather than every family being individually responsible for education, people soon figured out that it would be easier and more efficient to have a small group of adults teach a larger group of children. In this way, the concept of the school was born. Great. so ancient schools weren't like the schools we know today, though. Um, the earliest schools often focused more on teaching skills and passing along religious values, rather than teaching specific subject areas like it is common today. In the United States, the first schools began in the 13 original colonies in the 17th century. For example, Boston Latin School, which was founded in 1635, was the first public school and the oldest existing school in the country. The earliest schools focused on reading, writing, and mathematics. The New England colonies led the way in requiring towns to set up schools. The Massachusetts Bay Colony made the basic education a requirement in 1642. However, many of the earliest schools were only for boys, and there were usually few, if any, options for girls. After the American Revolution, education became a higher priority. States quickly began to establish public schools. School systems were not uniform, however, and would often vary greatly from state to state. Credit for a modern version of the school system usually goes to Horace Mann. When he became Secretary of Education in Massachusetts in 1837, he set forth this his vision for a system of professional teachers who would teach students an organized curriculum of basic content. For this reason, Mann is often called the father of the common school movement. Many other states quickly follow Mann's system he instituted in Massachusetts. More and more states began to require school attendance. By 1918, Every state required students to complete elementary school. Educational improvements grew by leaps and bounds during the 20th century, leading to the advanced systems we enjoy today. So basically, that's what we're going to be talking about. What it just said at the ending there. Um, we're going to be talking about how the school and all the schools around the world have grown from all those years back. So really excited. Okay, so let's slow down a little bit. That was a bit of a mouthful. Okay, so school was technically created thousands of years ago, but Horace Mann made a clear system, which led to the requirement of school. Now that we have that information stuffed into our brain, we can start with the 1900s. Let's go. Today's child labor laws would be unthinkable to early American families. With the exception of professional or fairly wealthy households, parents often couldn't make ends meet without children working for the family farms, pitching in at family businesses, or getting jobs in mills, mines, or factories outside the home. Some of those jobs are part of the reason why the school year, as we know it, doesn't start in January. Luis Maselli. I don't really know how to pronounce that, but I'm just going to call it that because why not? And her horse, Jane, navigated seven fields, seven fields and seven gates to get to school in Goldendale, Washington in the early 1900s. Check out these facts, guys, that will completely warp your reception of time. So the 10th president of the United States still has living grandchildren. John Tyler was born in 1790 and was inaugurated, please tell me that I pronounced that right, as president in 1841. He had children with his second wife pretty late in his life, including a son, Leon Gardiner Tyler, who was born in 1853, Then also had children in his later years. Leon Tyler Jr. was born in 1924, and Harrison Tyler was born in 1928. Both are still alive today, I'm pretty sure. So, the last American Civil War Widow passed away only about 10 years ago. Um, Maudie Hopkins, again, I hope that I'm pronouncing this right, was born in 1914 long after the end of the Civil War. But she married a man 67 years and her senior. His name was William M. Again, hope I'm pronouncing this right. san I'm just going to say that. And he had fought for the Confederacy. He died in 1937. Hopkins lived to be 93 and passed away in 2008. The New York Times predicted that humans wouldn't be able to fly for at least a million years in 1903, the same year that the Wright brothers would later fly their plane. The New York Times commented on a disastrous failed flight attempt by a man named Samuel Pierpoint Langley in October 1903 in an editorial, editorial called flying machines, which do not fly, the Times made this now infamous declaration. The flying machine, which will really fly, might be evolved by the combination on continuous efforts of mathematicians and mechanicians in from 1 million to 10 million years. More like 1 to 10 weeks in December of that very year, guys. The Wright brothers launched their first successful flights in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. He 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 he. Okay, so now that we've learned about these cool facts, let's get back to the good old 1900s. the turn of the century was still long before the dawn of the civil rights movement and schools still had a long way to go in terms of offering equal opportunities for all students so according to encyclopedia.com very handy in 1910 the vast majority of African American students still lived in the south where schools were far poorer than in the north and average school years in the south were only like 121 days, and there were no attendance laws. Black teachers' salaries were dismally low, and public secondary schools for African-American students were few and far between. At the turn of the century, only 51% of children aged 5 to 19 even went to school. Um, by 1910, though, the number had grown to a whopping 59% for the national National Center for Education Statistics. Numbers were approximately 20% lower for non-white students. So, yeah. Um, And most of those students only attended schools for a few years to learn basic English and math. In 1900, Only 11% of high school age children were enrolled in school at all. So, yeah, I guess that's a really big difference from now with the number of people that were actually going to school. I mean, wow, that's very little from what we usually. Not today. Um, so child labor on farms and, and cities was so common in the late 1800s and early 1900s that many states passed laws requiring large cities to provide evening elementary and high school education. One school official said at the time that parents were happy that their kids could finally get a basic education without quitting the farm work or outside jobs that they had during the day. Renata Nels- Nelson and her brother Harold attended a one-room parochial school near Marshfield, Wisconsin, and their father was the teacher, says Renata's daughter, Janet Dubner of Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. He was also the pastor of the church. Being in one room definitely wouldn't fly today, especially during the pandemic. Yay! Um, misbehaving students in the 1800s and 1900s could get detention or be suspended or expelled from school. But they were also regularly spanked, paddled, lashed, or had palms or knuckles wrapped with a ruler. Although corporal punishment in schools is outlawed in, in most of the states today, it's legal in 19 mostly southern states, including Louisiana, Georgia, and Arkansas. Even preschoolers in these regions can be can be subjected to spanking and swatting in some areas. A national report from the 2015 to 16 school year shows that about 1,500 young children received physical punishment in preschool or pre-K, mostly at schools in Texas and Oklahoma. So, um, although punishment isn't really Physical punishment isn't really something that is happening in this time. Some states still have it. Um, Magdalene Becker started teaching in 1927 near Murray, Wisconsin. Her first class, guys, had 21 students. And usually... Now we do have less than that, Um, so yeah, sometimes you have less, sometimes you have more, it really depends, but 21 can sometimes be a lot or it can be very little for us right now, depending on where you're going to school. In the 19th and early 20th centuries, there was no public or school public school transportation across most of the United States. In rural areas, schools were meant to serve children who lived within a four or five mile radius, what was considered a walking distance back then. Some kids walked while others rode horses or drove bookies to school. Guys, back then a walking distance was considered a four or five mile race. So, honestly, I could never. So, good for them. Um, The horse drawn bus was painted yellow with a door in the back. And they parked it next to the barn where kids would play in it. And that's how school buses were, which is obviously a lot different from what it is right now. Today, the school year stretches from late August or September through mid-June, about nine months. In the late 1800s, kids in rural areas were in school for only five because parents needed children to help with the harvest and planting seasons. The school year got longer in the early 1900s as educating children became required by law and more public schools were built, but farm kids were often Absent in spring and fall. Women's charities and other women led groups pushed to include basic domestic skills like sewing and mending in girls' education. These were marketable skills and helped less affluent girls but get domestic service jobs like housekeeping and laundering the woman who pressed for domestic education in schools also believed the skills would also improve the home lives of the girls some of whom were impoverished and would come to school in torn old clothes